Welcome to the Butts and Seeds podcast, where we, like the show, apparently just fucking coast until Vince Russo shows up. Seriously. <laughs> to the point where um, it's episode 60, and we sat down and forgot that it was episode 60, so we had to pause to go make our 10-episode shot. So, Nick, what are we drinking today? We are drinking what's called Warp Pipes. It's a creation that Nick came up with years ago. And by creation Nick came up with, uh, it's a creation that Nick stole from, oh god, I wish I remember the name of the YouTube channel, but it's a channel that does does video game versions of drinking games, and they did one for Mario Party, and this was the drink that they recommended, although, weirdly enough, I think they created this for something else, yeah. but it is called a warp pipe, it is vodka, melon liqueur, pineapple juice, and lime juice. And then there's like a neon green. It's like the one of the first ones we've done that is not cream-based. Yeah, we maybe we need to stray away from the cream-based Alright, but cheers to ten more episodes, Nick. Cheers to more than that. We have a lot more in the can, but this is just ten more. Cheers to number 60. See you at 70. Whew. It's not a harsh reaction, so I assume it went down smooth enough. No, it was good. I always think that there's another shot that you make that's very similar to that that has apple juice in it. So I always have like the taste of apple juice in my brain whenever I take those shots. Well, yeah, this is episode 60. And um, I, I realized we haven't actually said what it is we do here in quite a while. We keep forgetting that. Yeah. And so it's basically we kind of trudge towards the impending doom slash inevitable downfall of WCW, which seems like based on this week of Nitro, it seems like they were fine with because... Spoilers, this show is written like somebody on their last day knowing they're getting replaced. This one really does feel like the slow but inevitable. We used to say that all the time where we would take a week-by-week look at the slow but inevitable downfall of WCW. This feels definitely slow and inevitable. Which kind of makes me realize how good the last few weeks really were. This one was just such a nothing burger and it was just like a F you to everybody that was watching. I don't know. I think we need to stop saying things are nothing because... Man, have I gone back to all of the pay-per-views we've done, and we're like, yeah, it was kind of a nothing show, and I'm like... No, no. it was a good show. <laughs> or it was a good show, or, oh, this was a very bad show. Has our taste just changed? Has it been lowered? I think we've. I think our standards and our expectations have been lowered. Well, you'll get to see a general sense of our taste next week during the... Oh, God, we need to think of a fun awards name. And unfortunately, we will be recording the next episode before this one comes out, so if you had a good name... Sorry. Still send it in. Maybe we'll use it next time. Yeah. This is something that we're going to do like every every Halloween Havoc, I guess. I want to say every year, but every every year we're watching. We only have two more. Yeah. So it's a big deal. So if you have a cool name, I, I go went, for it. I went through it. I'm like, all right, when's the next one? And I'm like, oh, it's okay. It's it's that one. And then and, and then it's, and I then mean, it's when the show ends. I mean, we could make these semi-annually. Yeah, I like the one-year thing. Yeah. Based on the awards we have, I like it better as a one-year event. Okay. But today, we will be talking about the October 11th, 1999, Monday Nitro. We did say we were going to watch the thunder that follows this, and we got, honestly, like three quarters to halfway through it, and it's been overhyped. Oh, it's so boring. Yeah, it's just an episode of thunder, and every now and again, Kevin Nash says, you know, a little something. He but... says something pseudo-quippy, but even he's phoning it in, so, like, it wasn't worth it. Although, I... I stand by. I don't know if Larry Zabisco implied he was drunk. If he implied it, I missed the implication. The, I gave your keys to Moses. Or did he imply that Moses is going to go get his car squished? I, that, that, that's also an option. Yeah. But tonight's Nitro is based in Biloxi, Mississippi, which is which is notable mostly for what happened here over the weekend. And what happened here over the weekend was 
the horror show known as Heroes of Wrestling. This is known as the worst wrestling pay-per-view ever. Yeah, and I have a hard time arguing with that. The only argument against it is expectation. And for reference, this episode of Nitro happened about 40 minutes from where Heroes of Wrestling happened the night prior. So there's a really good chance that there are the same audiences of both. Well, I would say... Or similar. Yeah, I had no idea how far, but Emily does because Heroes Wrestling took place in Casino Magic and apparently Emily has been to Casino (laughs) Magic. When I tell you I lost my freaking mind when they said that it was on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi in Casino Magic. So I used to live in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi for a few years as a kid and my parents used to go see musical acts and concerts at Casino Magic. And the reason that I remember it's Casino Magic is because there was a kids area where they would dump me and my sister. I, well, I think it was me and my sister. I remember I was there. And they, it was like a Chuck E. Cheese inside this casino. But we got cool socks that say Casino Magic. And that's always been in my head. And I thought it got destroyed by Katrina in 2004. I went and looked up. Apparently they rebuilt. So I've been here. I know exactly where this is. Yeah. And for the record, <laughs> we did not watch Heroes Wrestling. I kind of wanted to. We have, we... I wanted to see if I'd recognize any of like, the area around. Well, Emily, you will get your chance at episode 101 to pick your, your custom episode. Oh, baby. I don't know that you want to do that to yourself. <laughs> if you pick Heroes of Wrestling, I'm making you do play-by-play. <laughs> but it was pretty cool because like... If we were to go back and watch it, and like if they did any aerial shots of the area <laughs> they around, didn't have the budget for I that. I know, but if they even did like an exterior shot, this is close enough to the time when I lived there that I might actually recognize it. Everything changed so much when the hurricane hit, so like things have changed, but I might recognize it. So let's talk a little bit about the ratings for this nitro going to this week, because uh, oof. This nitro did a 2.6, which is the lowest rating they've put up. On a normal show since July of 1996. Woof. What happened on that show? Did you ever find out? On the, the 96 The 96 one? show. Why was it so bad? Just nothing happened. Because that was an era when WCW was not failing, right? So that was right after the NWO kind of started up. And it was one of those where it's like, yep, um, you know, they're not here tonight. So no one cared. Oh, oh well. Would you yeah. believe that Hogan wasn't there for a show? Was his knee hurt? I don't know. <laughs> Raw tonight did a 6.1. Yeah. And when we started this Nitro, because we watched it on Peacock, we got a note of, like, presented in the most complete form possible due to technical difficulties. And it, it was, was and it was still, like, a two-hour and 22-minute file. And I'm like, what the Yeah, f-? we stopped and thought, like, should we go get, like, we have backups of all these um, these shows. We're like, should we go get the backup to make sure that we're getting the pure form? But Nick looked at the runtime and he's like, I don't think we're missing anything. I think the only thing we missed was Sid arriving in, in a limo. And there's like some glitches at the very, very end. But like like that's, six seconds of that's them. That's it. Yeah. Not enough to warrant this warning. Yeah. Little do we know someone's going to tweet in and be like, no, there was this whole like. Actually, there minute. was a fan run in. Yeah. And he stole a camera and he smashed it. Eric Bischoff explained who was driving the White Hummer. Oh he missed it. What if? No. But the actual Nitro starts with a immemorium visual for, for Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah, this was pretty rough. Um, they do the immemorium and then they'd cut to commentary eventually, where Tony and Bobby are sitting there and they kind of like s- express their sentiments about Gorilla. Bobby gets very visibly choked up. Yeah, I'll play his, uh, I'll play his words here. A gorilla will be sadly missed. 
Now, he was one big tough man. He was a decent, honest man. And we're all going to miss him very much. And you know the pearly gates in heaven? Yeah. It's now going to be called the gorilla position. Goodbye, my friend. It's just tough because, like, he's such a, he's very clearly such, like, a big-hearted guy, Bobby. But he comes off like such a dick, so you can just kind of, like, see his, you can just see his heartbreak. Well, I mean, so sad. him and Gorilla were the voice of, like, golden era I know. WWF. Because I was thinking, because you have very little experience with Gorilla Monsoon. I do, but I've had, like, I've had the urge recently to go back and watch old school WWEF. Like, old school, old school. Like, the first few WrestleManias. Yeah, I. it's funny. I don't think you even know his kind of commentary catchphrase. I do not. And catchphrase is relative because the only context was when Bobby Heenan was being a little fucker and he would just yell, will you stop? I love that. <laughs> oh, will you stop? I can see Tony doing that. No, t- Bobby doesn't like Tony like Bobby likes Gorilla. Yeah, these two hate each other. And I feel like Tony did not real like he cared, but he did not care nearly as much as, as Bobby did about Gorilla's Bobby passing. Was like, yeah, they were they were good friends. Of course, obviously, but the way that so there's a way to go about this scenario that happened. Bobby's very clearly getting choked up. He's like welling up, like about to drop a few tears on the mic. This is when Tony should have taken over and given Bobby a few minutes to just, like, recollect himself. But no, instead, Tony just immediately moves on and starts, like, asking Bobby questions about, like, well, what do you think about this matchup? Like, give the man a fucking minute. Yeah, plus, like, we skipped over. There's some, like, pre... There's some segments prior to this. Like, it's going to be a rough transition, but, yeah. like, you know, give the guy a minute. Give him a second. Because we go from the, the, the in memoriam screen to Bret Hart and Chris Benoit arriving backstage and then... Miss Elizabeth and the total package just kind of taunt them. They, like, heckle him. That yeah. didn't make any sense to me either. Yeah, it was weird. They're taunting him. Although, I think both of us laughed at, um, I think Luger's like, you know, call security. And Liz's like, call immigration. Like, woman. <laughs> and they're from Canada. And then we have the Nitro opening, and then last week's Nitro recap, which includes Hall and Nash, 22, the main event, and the Heart tribute match. And then we get the opening pyro. Then we get commentary checking in, and yeah, Tony just breezes through that, and it's like, all right, and oh, yeah. Bobby's mouth is working. Bobby's eyes are telling a different story. Tony was very much like, yes, yes, very sad. Anyway, and Bobby really wanted to, like, linger on the moment. Bury the boy. Bury the boy. (laughs) Yeah, and then we go backstage, and Dean Malenko confronts Perry Saturn, and Perry just kind of pulls some bullshit, for lack of a better term, (laughs) just like, why did you hit Ray last week? Like, I was defending myself, and I'm like, so you're a heel. Got it. Why, oh, we're going to pretend this all night? Okay, cool. Yeah, I was. I guess, barring the stuff that happens later, I was kind of confused about this Dean and Perry segment talking about Shane. Because, like, at first I thought it was like, so we're in agreement. This guy is screwing up our faction. Let's kick him out. But then that didn't really seem to be the vibe. It was the vibe, but also simultaneously not the vibe. Right? See, that's why I'm confused. Yeah. I... It was really hard to follow. The magic comes from this is Perry Saturn versus Rey Mysterio. Rey comes out in his denim overalls, and I'm like, Whoa. Yeah, he needs to stop that. Perry tries to apologize, but Rey doesn't buy it. Rey turns a handshake into an arm drag and, and then a head scissors. And then Rey drops Perry to the floor and hits a running somersault splash from the ring to Perry Saturn laying on the ground. And I'm like, Jesus, dude. Fucking look after yourself. Seriously. It's Nitro. 
It's not sure where no one cares. Why are you? That's true. Maybe he's trying to make people care. Ray is a showman. He's the greatest showman. Perry counters a Hurricane Rana back in the ring into a big running powerbomb. They go to commercial and come back. Tedder hits a back springboard leg drop and then a big T-bone suplex. Ray hits a 10-punch spot and then a Bronco Buster, and he counters a German suplex from Saturn and lands on his feet, but Saturn counters a wheelbarrow bulldog and drops Ray right on his face. Saturn really did impress me in this match. Like, his moveset, I, you don't really get to see this later on with Perry. And every time I see him in a match like this, I'm like, oh, shit, he can wrestle. I we, Listen, we've said this a lot with Perry Saturn before where it's like, you put him in there with somebody who can help him through a story, he's great. It's just a matter of, you put him in there with Bobby Duncan Jr., it's like, here's some moves. Exactly. So, like, he feeds off of the energy really well. He just hasn't really been given a lot of grace, I guess. I don't know. I think he hasn't been given a lot of permission to be a good wrestler. I think we've used this before and probably used it in a less accurate manner. Perry Saturn is very much a recessive gene of a wrestler where it's like, if you put him in there with somebody good, it's like, okay. He'll stand out. It'll be fine. <laughs> Your kid you... will be born with red hair. It'll be great. <laughs> Well, no, no, no. It isn't he would need to be a double recessive for red hair, right? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, you put him with Bobby Duncan, your, your kid's going to end up with red hair somehow. I failed AP And he's going to be mocked, know. and he won't have a soul, apparently. <laughs> How did that start? You know, I don't know. Anyway, there's a match. Honestly, a pretty good match, too. I don't know why we're yeah, going off Saturn, on tangent. Saturn catches a Ray's springboard move into a Death Valley driver attempt, but Ray slips out. Ray and Saturn scissor each other, for lack of a better word. <laughs> Seriously, both, we couldn't think of a better way to say that. both men are down. I mean, even commentary's like... How could you call that that won't get bleeped? Right. But it was a running scissor as and well. And it was, which like, you know. really hard hitting, too. Like, it was really a cool move. You don't see that move, like, ever. Yeah. Ray hits a top row Frankensteiner, and then Shane Douglas runs out. Dean Malenko stops him, and then Billy Kidman just enters the ring past them, and the ref is like, no, nah, I'm throwing this out. How dare you? We've Like, this is when I get confused about what's a DQ and what's not a DQ, because this shouldn't have been a DQ. Yet, at least. No. So other matches have been DQ'd for significantly less. Yeah, I, I mean, more, I, w- I, would, I don't know. I would throw this into the no contest realm, but it, I mean, it's a fine line between DQ and it's no contest. It's just frustrating. Like, I would understand it if there was a clear line and a clear rule. I, it's frustrating when there is very clearly not a clear rule. So when I question it, this is fucking why. <laughs> I'm sure it'll only get better with Vince Russo coming in. <laughs> I, so we said that we were going in this with low standards or we've lowered our expectations. My expectations are underground for Russo. So I can only be impressed. (laughs) You say that. (laughs) I can't wait. So Kidman grabs a mic and challenges Douglas to a tag match. And Douglas apparently swears because he gets like bleeped or whatever. He does. That's really rare. It's really rare that we get bleeps on WCW. It, it, it varies because they change what words are allowed and which ones aren't. Yeah. On a weekly basis, like I know at some point they'll start bleeping the word "screw," oh. so it sounds worse than it is. Okay, bleep you! Are you telling me that WCW is not consistent with something? They really need some like standards and practices to come in. I agree. So Dean follows Douglas and Saturn, who are, are leaving, and he's like, "Hey, you guys need to cut back and." I, and that's the segment, I guess. It was, yeah, it didn't make any sense. Uh, that will be a tag match later. Doesn't seem like it, but that match, you know, some combination that's going to happen. On this show? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It was a really good match. Again, soured by a shitty finish. That sentence is WCW. Good match, soured by a bad finish. <laughs> no, that's half a WCW. The other one is... Good God, why did we watch this? Yeah. <laughs> How did this make it on television? The other half is our is our match coming up in two matches. 
Fair. Which will be teased in our next segment. Yeah, Meng is apparently returning tonight to Nitro because he's been on the lower shows apparently. So, again, confused. They do this next segment is a Meng teaser trailer. Basically, like get pumped, Meng is coming back. So you would think that it's like Meng is coming back next week in a few weeks. Get hype! No, he's gonna be back in five fucking minutes. Okay, I did not think that was the confusing part. You were gonna say no. Without looking back, I am. 68% sure they reuse a, a clip from a previous Nitro. Because after the Meng package, we get a shot of Ric Flair and Arn Anderson looking at the screen going, Meng looks pretty good. And I'm like, is this you not know? is this not left over from when Ric Flair was president? Because we haven't seen Arn in fucking months. And he's not on this show. Yeah. Interesting. Ooh, I didn't think about that. I like that. I like that theory. I don't know. It makes a lot of sense because that doesn't come up for anything. I mean, that segment does give us this week's Surge Watch. Yes, because in, in Ric Flair and Arn, in between Ric Flair and Arn, <laughs> there is a bottle of Surge. No, there's not. It wasn't a bottle. It was a bowl full of cans. You know how you drink soda out of a bowl with no ice, just cans? Multiple. Okay. There's like 10. You keep saying out of a bowl. Like They're going to pour the Surge into the bowl and just... That would have made more sense. The what cans we... were just placed in the bowl. I mean. Why? Have you not ever seen like a bucket of beers at like a There was no ice. What was the point of the bowl? It wasn't chilling these surges. These were room temperature, lukewarm sodas in a bowl. By the way, for the record, if you're somebody who like likes your soda at room temperature, disagree. So me? I love room temperature soda. It's flat. It no, opens flat. It doesn't. Cold soda is too cold. It's too much of a sensation. It's cold and it's bubbly and it makes me burp. Room temperature soda is significantly better. Room temperature Red Bull, the only way to drink Red Bull. Listen, I say to, to your digestive system, get good. Listen, my digestive system has Figure out how to drink a fucking okay. soda. It's hard. It's too cold. You, well, I, you can apparently eat a Slim Jim. How does that work? I love Slim Jims, man. I'm, well, I'm going to get us some Slim Jims. That's the next segment. It's a Slim Jim ad. And non-official, who's that Pokemon? Because we get a, a variety of graphics of Randy Savage and Gorgeous George. Randy Savage, not here tonight. Gorgeous George, not here tonight. But for some reason in the ad, Gorgeous George is dressed like a fucking chicken. <laughs> they it's tried to find a Pokemon for Yeah, him. it's Blaziken. Blaziken? Yeah. Hold on. I showed you this. No, I'll, you didn't, did you? I'll also take Combuskin, who is the pre-evolved form of this, but it's the chicken Pokemon. I think I see more Combuskin than Blaziken. Whatever. It's one of them. I just, <laughs> why? She doesn't look hot. She looks like a fucking chicken. Just a lot of feathers. Arguably too many feathers. But let's go to our next match. It's Kaz Hayashi versus Disco Inferno for the Cruiserweight title. Disco is sticking with his Tiger King cosplay. Yeah. So I'm almost amazed when I said Kaz Hayashi, the fucking... Super Mario Land Chai Kingdom theme didn't start playing because, man, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of racially charged commentary in this match. Yeah, it basically opens with Bobby Heenan calling Kaz a kamikaze wrestler. And he does not let go of that phrase. It's annoying. Like, it, it's it's hard to hear because it just sucks. But it's also like, first of all, if you think it's a joke, drop the joke. Like, you only make the joke once. If you think it's a joke. It's not funny. So yeah, I, I think he hits like a suicide dive at one point and they're like, oh! Yeah. But Kaz hits a head scissor early on and a drop kick, which sends Disco to the floor. He then hits a dive that the camera mostly misses. That's the move where they uh, they commentate on it. But, like, I don't know how camera missed it. Just, like, 
they got like the end, the tail end of it. I'm like, what are you it's doing? A bad cameraman. Disco hits a big clothesline and then follows up with a dancing diving elbow. We get a swinging neck breaker from Disco, and no one seems to care about this match in the crowd. Nope. Disco hits some very basic offense and throw Kaz to the outside. Disco asks the camera if they're showing the match in Japan and throws Kaz on the announce table. Back inside, Kaz hits a Frankensteiner and then a Brain Buster. Kaz rolls through a powerbomb slash piledriver attempt when they don't really get him up. It's hard to tell. <laughs> but Disco kicks out. Then get a Russian leg sweep from Disco and the last dance and Disco wins. Disco should not have won. Kaz Hayashi is a significantly better wrestler in all fronts. He shouldn't have won. Yeah, this is fine. It's kind of hard to care. Um, it is absolutely hard to care, which is a shame because Kazayashi is a good wrestler. I don't know. I doubt we'll ever get it. But a Kazayashi match versus Rey Mysterio or Billy Kidman, I think that'd be a lot of fun to watch. It's probably happening like Thunder or something. Yeah, probably. They probably haven't, but there's a, there's a non-zero chance it happened on like an early Nitro. We've forgotten about it. It's very possible. We should go back and look through. But still, like he needs to be matched up with somebody that actually matches his skill set. Disco's not it. Yeah, I, I mean, I admittedly, I think it's partially the booking, but I, I'm cooling on Kaz. I, know, I think it's the booking. I mean, I know you you were real high on him when we first saw him. Because I, I know he's a good wrestler. Admittedly, I believe that, but I don't necessarily know it. Like, I, I feel like, you know, he's solid. He's I wouldn't, you know, he's not notable to me. Honestly, I, I'd take Blitzkrieg over him, who we also haven't seen. I haven't seen. seen Blitzkrieg in a long time. I, admittedly i know blitzkrieg is basically like done after 99 so i wonder if he's already gone maybe you know what's interesting that i just came up with or i just realized the wrestlers that i like more are not american wrestlers hmm. i like japanese wrestlers i like mexican wrestlers i like that style i do not like american wrestlers i know what you mean but you also do love billy kidman who is he has more of a lucha style or at least lucha inspired i don't know it's just more high flying in general yeah, but those two cultures seem to um, value that kind of wrestling over the strike heavy, hit heavy, kick heavy, whatever style. Honestly, I've I've not seen any of it, but <laughs> I was joking about what episode you need to pick for your bonus one at episode 101. You might need to pick some Michinoku Pro because that's literally <laughs> the the mix of those two styles. That'd be cool. I've not seen any of that. Well, let's move on in our show. We get we get a plug for the New Year's Evil giveaway tickets, and I noted last week that it becomes a Nitro thing. I don't know if it was last week, but now it's officially like, yeah, it's just it's just the last Nitro of of the year. It's New Year's Evil, yeah. and I'm like, okay, so. But so, did you enter the sweepstakes? You know, I miss I missed the, the you other, missed the deadline. I did. Nick. Well, the deadline was almost as short as the hype for our next match. Wait, you weren't excited from five minutes ago. It's time for Mang versus Conan. Remember when they teased this five minutes ago? And I swear to God, Conan comes out to what I'm pretty sure is a new theme. Like, for real this time, I, it is a new theme. 100% this is a it's new all, Conan It's theme. also a dubbed theme. Yes, it is. But, but we, 100%, this is a new theme. We just busted out laughing. I'm like, the meme lives. <laughs> it never stops. Conan always has a new theme. I'm like, is Conan no longer a filthy animal? I mean, he hasn't really been, like, with he, them. Much. Yeah, he only came out, like, two or three times. Like, it really hasn't been a ton. No. And then to continue our theme from the last match, on commentary, Tony notes that Meng has been touring the Orient. Ugh. The match itself, Conan hits a DDT on Meng, but much like using Outrage on a Toga Kiss, it has oh no effect. Oh, my God. 
But it, it only has no effect after Gen 6 because Togekiss had its type changed from normal to fairy. Yeah, tell me about it. Well, yeah, so the fairy type didn't exist until Gen 6. So there were a couple, there was a good handful of Pokemon. Then. Mang works over Conan. Conan hits a clothesline on Mang, but like using, but like using Psyshock on a Houndoom has no effect. We get like a float over Bulldog from Conan. Conan does actually manage to hit his rolling clothesline for some substance. We then get his back kick and just, again, it's a weird spin around and then a face buster. Conan tries for a sunset flip, but Mang hits a Tongan neck rip and kind of like using Ice Beam on, on a Gliscor. It's super me? effective. And Mang gets the pin. I heard it boring. Please don't hurt me. Cut. It's all staying in. You fucking kidding. God, I hate you so much. This is not my best bit. Not even the match. The segment of the podcast is my best bit. You're making yourself your best bit. I'm the MVP. Fucking narcissistic can you um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, this was... Just, I need this, a fucking minute, dude. This was a boring squash match. I'm fucking tear it up. I knew how much you were going to hate how it. How did you get in there? Four? Three. Jeez. But no, I, 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 here's the thing. I swerved you. I Vince Russo'd you. I swerved you. But I, I, I did super effective. This was not effective. I was ready for you to be like, just like using whatever on Vince Russo. It had no effect. Like, I don't know. I was ready for you to throw a fourth in there. No, comedy's the rule of threes. Now, do, do you get why any of those Pokemon moves wouldn't work? I wasn't listening to you. <laughs> any thoughts on the squash before we move on? Absolutely zero. Okay. That's my score for the match. <laughs> no. Now, I'm I'm crying laughing a little bit right now. I was crying laughing at the fucking start of this next segment, and Emily did not understand it. Oh, my God. He was, like, screaming. So we go backstage, and in the time it's going to take me to, to explain what happened, it's already happened. We see Brad Armstrong walking, and it's just like, hey, Bill, what's up? Oh, God, I'm dead. Just gets murked by the wall. <laughs> Yeah, he gets punched in the back of the head, basically, by the wall. Yeah, but, like, it's so quick where we don't even, like, have time to register that it's Brad Armstrong. When I tell you Nick was howling, we had to, like, stop the show to get him to quiet down. He was upsetting the cats. (laughs) So Berlin then comes in and just taunts him in German. And then to add to this, Brad Armstrong then grabs Berlin's cane. He's fine now. And he goes to hit Berlin, but security is like, no, can't have this. I know you were just assaulted backstage, but we can't have retribution. <laughs> T-Bar and base aren't allowed here. Sure. By the way, that's like 2020 WWE. It's not even WCW. Yeah, I don't know who any of those people are you just said. That's right. One of them is now part of Maximum Male Models. Oh, I like Maximum Male Models. Let's get back to the show. Are you sure you want to? Because what happens next, Emily? Nash and Hall are back. Yeah. I They're heard. here. Yep. Oh, good. Nash and Hall are here. They're still retired. They're still getting the band back together. Still double fisting. Still got the babes. Scott Hall does have a funny line of like, oh man, my back hurts because I've been carrying this company. Yeah, Bobby goes over to interview them again. Bobby does note that like, yeah, you guys like left in the middle of the show last week. And Kevin Nash just like, want to wish Dusty Rhodes a happy birthday. Yeah, they totally blow it off. We're getting the band back together. Which we still don't know what the hell that means. What band? He also notes that uh, July 2012 is is his return date. I mean, he will be back by then. He will have a match in WWE in December of 2011. That'll be his last like real match. I know he shows up like the 2014 Rumble. Anyway. Yeah, let's let's move on, Bill. Can you do your best Scott Hall impression of who uh, who they're excited to see? 
how does he say it? I know he's I know he's excited to see Goldberg. How does he say it? Yeah, he's being sarcastic. We're excited to see Goldberg. It's, like, it's okay. Relax. Cool. Yeah, and he's up next. It's Goldberg versus Horace Hogan. We're like, for some fucking reason. Yeah, for, forgot he was still showing up. Mm-hmm. We do enough random, like, this is their last Nitro. Is <laughs> it his last Nitro? No, no, no. Horace Hogan will show up in a bunch of random other gimmicks. Ugh. Does he continue to be slated as Hulk Hogan's dead brother's son? In terms of being called Horace Hogan? Yeah. I think he does get a random other gimmick name. That sounds right. Yeah. I, oh God, I, I could be wrong. I think he ends up joining whatever shitty stable it is where they turn Hugh Morris into Hugh G. Rection. Oh, no. <laughs> that sounds like oh, I'm making it up, Vincent. but I'm not. No, I know you're not. Vincent Kennedy Russo. So Goldberg's doing his entrance. Sid confronts Goldberg backstage again, and Sid is a fucking cartoon. Yes, he is. He is a cartoon villain. And I think we just need to embrace that. He might as well have a big, long, curly mustache and carrying a big bag with a dollar sign over his shoulder and, like, tiptoeing away. <laughs> I thought you described the repo, man. Oh, God. So Goldberg comes out, and then his opponent's theme plays, and we're like, who the fuck is this? And then, you know, we never would have guessed Horace based on the theme, but, you know. Absolutely not. But can you sing Horace's theme right now? Well, I mean, I was going to say, but, you know, Hogan knows best. Um, No, Brooke knows best. Please. I wonder if that's streaming anywhere. I do kind of want to go back and watch it just to see. So Goldberg press slams Horace and then hits a very loose sidekick. And I'm like, okay, good. Safe. Then looks in a loose armbar, but Horace gets the ropes. Goldberg then gets dumped into the stairs, and Horace hits a top rope splash back inside, but Goldberg kicks out. Goldberg spears Horace, then hits a jackhammer and gets the pin. I mean, this is what it needed to be. Like, this had to be a squash match. If Horace Hogan got even an ounce more offense than he did, Goldberg is over. Yeah. And not in the good way. (laughs) Goldberg is over party. Goldberg is finished. Yeah, this was a good squash. And I was like, okay... Now you have Sid go on next and, like, do the same thing. Have them just kill people back to back. Right. Uh, that's not what happens. Instead, we get Mean Gene in the ring bringing out Hulk Hogan. And um, Gene notes that it's Columbus Day. And I'm like, you know, you know something, ladies? Hulk Hogan and Columbus Day have a lot in common. You know, the more you learn about them, the more you learn how problematic they really are. <laughs> And you really don't want to talk about them anymore in 2022. Correct. Happy Columbus Day, I guess. And I'm pretty sure Hogan's been on top since fucking 1492. It's not even Columbus Day anymore. It's Indigenous People's Day. I think it's totally so Fuck both. you, Columbus. Yeah. Fuck you, Ohio. <laughs> so yeah, we're shooting at Hulk Hogan and then he's coming out. He hugs a special needs kid at ringside. And I'm like, stop being a good guy. Oh, damn it. Yeah, you're being You're making this hard for us to hate you. Gene kind of actually starts the interview by noting, like, oh, I've been reading on um, a bunch of internet websites about the future of Hulk Hogan. And Hogan starts his promo and botches the you know something mean Gene. It's like, oh. He does. Yeah, he, like, trips over his words. He just, like, completely dodges the entire, like, okay, like, are we going to be done with Hulk Hogan soon? And I'm like, please. Oh, bummer. Broke Knows Best is not streaming in the United States. It's on Amazon Prime and other countries. So we got to get a VPN and we'll watch Broke Knows Best. You know, sometimes I wonder if you're paying attention to when I'm running through segments and, you know, it's oh. times like this that if you realize you're not. I'm sorry, no. But yeah, Hogan dodges the first bit, but does say he's, he's going to kick Sting's ass. And then Hogan, like, weirdly gets choked up and, like, looks like he's about to cry. Yeah, this is where it starts to get, like, real. Yeah, and once again says he, he's going to kick Sting's ass. And come Halloween Havoc, he's going to get the last laugh. And I'm like, what? 
what the hell is happening backstage? I don't know. I mean, we've kind of pondered about his knee, so I wonder if he's about to take time off again. Although, I don't know what the fuck would happen. Because he literally he left for his knee surgery. Yeah. Did he just come back too soon? I mean, it was pretty he quick. He might have come back too soon. But, yeah. like, he, they put him in the knee brace. He's been ignoring the injury that he's supposedly got in kayfabe. Like, he's just walking like normal. Maybe he is still hurt. Yeah. I mean, I like I do know Hulk Hogan wrestles in WCW in 2000. So, Jeez. we're not done with him. But Bummer. Yeah, so we'll see whatever the hell that's about. Let me go from that to the Nitro Girls tryout video from... I can never tell if it's from this this week or last week. They recap last week and go into the girls from this week. Yeah, because Mean Gene is now like on the stage mm-hmm. and is like, all right, I'm going to bring out Kimberly. Just Kimberly. Yeah. Uh, Nicole won last week. We double-checked is who we said should have won. So that's good. I don't remember. So, Emily, who do we have this week? So we had Amy and Tiffany. Amy is from Alabama, and she has a dance and cheer background. And big-ass hair. Very big hair. Very 90s, kind of like remnants of the 80s hair. And all I've got from her is she does dance and cheerleading, and she's a dancer. That's kind of it for Amy. Tiffany is a uh, a wrestling fan, and she and can she's dance. Fr- and she's from Biloxi. She's from Biloxi. She's actually representing Mississippi. And either is a wrestling fan or... Pulls off pretending because she mentions fucking Junkyard Dog and I'm like, yeah, you were okay, impressed by her. That's a more random one. I'll give you that. This is the first week where I can see both of these girls being good options to move on because Amy, while just having a, you know, dance and cheer background, it's the kind of dancing that the Nitro girls do. So it like would translate really well. No, nah, I'm, I'm pulling Tiffany. Tiffany I, actually cares about Nitro. That's the thing. Like they both can dance. One just likes wrestling or knows enough about it to bullshit about it. So both would be good options. I I think we'd both prefer Tiffany, but if Amy won, wouldn't be mad. I feel like some of these girls should be like, like yeah, you know, I like I really like this current wrestler. Like try to like get an in. Like okay, like you'll be this person's manager. Like you may not mm. win. Like a diva search kind of thing. Where okay, well you didn't win, but we'll still hire you. Well, that's not how they're trying to market this search. They're marketing it as a new Nitro girl, and the Nitro yeah. girls are dancers. Yeah, they're not marketing it as come be a manager. Yeah, fair. They, if they, I, yeah. if they sold they, it differently, yeah, probably they would. But you also have to remember, WCW right now is banking on nostalgia. In the last year, they've like, or WCW in general always had the older guys from like the heyday of wrestling in their roster. Like the older guys, you know, Macho Man, Hulk Hogan, the Ultimate Warrior, like the nostalgia wrestlers. So banking on that nostalgia as one of these contestants might work. Point's still made, but for the record, Warrior was there for two months. I'm not even just saying in the in the time that we were watching. So who are you picking for this week? I think we're both leaning Tiffany, but I would not be upset if Amy won. Well, next week we're going to be in Philly, and uh, who knows who will turn up there. Maybe just a giant pair of legs. We don't know. <laughs> they go backstage to what I'm kind of convinced is going to be your best bit of the night. Do you, do you, actually, do you want to go through that one as well? I did mention this last week. I didn't realize it was a uh, it, it was a segment for, for from this Nitro. So I don't totally remember the nuance of this. I know it's another Tori Wilson and Billy Kidman segment where David comes in and Tori just kind of blows him off. But I don't remember the setting. They're just backstage somewhere. Okay, there's no. It's not like a shower or no. I can't. I can't remember. There's backstage well somewhere. Enough. But Emily, what's the, what's the, what's the end line of this segment? Why don't you go like hang out with your dad? <laughs> Amazing. Why <laughs> that's so cutting. It's it so cutting because David doesn't have friends. David is so focused on being a little shit that he didn't make friends with anybody backstage. The only person that will talk to him is his father. And I bet even Rick doesn't want to talk to him. Yeah, we'll, we'll get a little bit of that later. Let's go to our next match. It's Brian Nobbs with Jimmy Hart and Hugh Morris versus Stevie Ray with Booker T 
in a street fight. Who could care? And gotta give credit where credit's due. Booker T looking cozy and fashionable. He really did. He like, does great, that line great so choice well. of shirt. Honestly, oh my God, yeah. Like I, I couldn't pull it off, but I want no. the shirt. Yeah. Booker T has the fashion sense that we want but can't pull off. Well, he, for some reason, Stevie also has to, like, wave Booker out. Like, was he so cozy he was laying down? Maybe like, he was, like, taking a nap. Like, he gets all at the bottom of the, like, the ramp, and he's like, come on. Come out. Are you coming? <laughs> so the match starts. Nobbs works Stevie over to start and calls for a trash can, but misses a, a diving trash can shot. So, remember, this is a street fight match. Stevie gingerly hits Nobbs with a chair and uh-huh. then puts Nobbs in, in the dented trash can and hits the can with a chair. Uh-huh. They go to the outside, and Nobbs gets the advantage. Nobbs hits a second rope splash, and then signals for Pity City, but Stevie low blows him and then beats him down. We then get a weird pause, and Hugh Morris distracts Stevie until Booker hits Morris with a chair a few times. Stevie then kicks a trash can into Nobbs' face and goes for a cover, but Jimmy Hart hits Stevie with a trash can very lightly, and Nobbs pins Stevie. Like, that was the big finish. I was like, oh. Literally could not care less about this match. A, a Jimmy Hart trash can shot to St- Stevie Ray's back. This is a Put him out. street fight match. This was barely a hardcore match. They're the same thing. I'm Just like... because there's a trash can involved does not inherently make it a hardcore match. This was not hardcore. Have you met Hack? This is not hardcore. This is not what I want. Have you met Mick Foley? I don't want to hear it. This is not hardcore. This was a trash can. And don't call this a street fight. Bullshit. This is not a street fight match. This is barely a hardcore match. Absolutely not. Very upsetting. Zero out of ten. Do not watch this match. You know, one of these days I'm going to need to, like, give you a list of different types of matches. And we're going to get Emily's rules of, like, okay. I love it. Let's do it. What needs to happen for this? By the way, Nigerian drum match will be on. Use the fucking drums. (laughs) That's the only rule. That's it. And a kendo stick match. Use the kendo sticks. That's it. What if there was a chairs match and someone used a big chair? <laughs> Listen, my only rule is just, they're very simple rules. If you call it a chair match, only use chairs. If you call it a kendo stick match, only use kendo sticks. If you call it a Nigerian drum match, at least wrestle near the drums. What if there was like, a- come on. What if there was a stairs match? Use the stairs. How would you feel very about that simple. though? Simple. I don't know. I'd be interested. There's a real match that happened. Uh, yeah. Lame match. Let's move on. We get a recap of the Dean and Ray finish from last week. And then we get Shane Douglas coming out and he demands the crowd's attention and then tells the revolution to come out to the ramp. And So he demands the, the attention of the crowd. He calls out the revolution. The music doesn't stop. He's cutting this whole promo and having this whole conversation while his entrance music is playing. I did know they were all still in revolution shirts. Yes. So it hasn't fully broken up, but we couldn't hear what the hell he was saying because the music was playing over it. Yeah, Dean gets fired up upon being confronted, and Shane is mad about Benoit and Brett being buds. And Benoit more or less tells him to fuck off and leaves. It's like, yeah, I'm yeah, out fair. I'm out of this group. Like, fuck you, Shane. Fair, yeah. I, I was starting to lose track of what was being said when, but, like, Chris Benoit walked off. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, and then Seto then yells at Douglas, and Dean Malenko says, like, look, I'll tag with you, Perry, tonight. And it looks like Shane is on the outs, but... Again, but Shane I comes out with Perry later, so I, yeah. yeah. I thought this was again a continuation of the segment from the beginning, where it's like, yeah, Shane Douglas is bad news. Let's get him out of our faction. This sounds like, hey, Perry, me, Dean, I'm on your side. I, let me prove to you that I'm that I'm with you, and I will have your back, but not this guy. Yeah, it sounds like that's where we're going. Well, but I Perry guess it's even not. says something like, "This wasn't how this was, this was supposed to go." Yeah. Like, 
kind of solidifying like yeah you are with shane douglas still like right well we'll get that tag match later um let's move on to a very random match it is la parka versus brad armstrong and i don't get why he's facing la parka nope this should be against the cat i'm happy to see la parka oh absolutely but like what the fuck's the cat doing have brad armstrong beat right one you need to build brad armstrong as a face Having him face the guy who who does a fun dance and brings out a chair is not... I do my little dancey dance. Well, honestly, Laparka is steadily working himself into my boy's stable. He is in his spooky season gear, doing his air guitar. He is living. Emily, it's always spooky season for Laparka. I love Laparka. He does come out in a different mask, which is kind of weird. So I guess, yeah, I guess spooky season, you did say. Yeah, spooky season. He is also one of the few, like, masked wrestlers left. Yeah, I mean... It's like him. They keep unmasking them. So like him, Blitzkrieg. I mean, who am I missing? Right now? In WCW. Is El Dandy? No, El Dandy is unmasked. I know you want him to be masked, but you don't remember. If I showed you a photo of El, no, El Dandy, you'd be like, who is this guy? El Tigre? Is he still on the... Uh... I hope that's a wrestler, is it? I'm trying to think of that lineup when um, Eddie was accusing all oh, the masked wrestlers. Shit, yeah. I'm trying to think of who was in that. There was a guy, I think they, he called him El Tigre. <laughs> they might have called people in for that for all we know. <laughs> Yo, where's Prince Iakea been? Last we saw, he was busy um, not having his match because Goldberg speared Jerry Flynn. Right. But anyway, um, oh, I did write in all caps, push Laparka, you cowards. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> He is your biggest star, and you're not using him. And the ref turns heel. He takes Laparka's chair to start, and it's like, a fucking gimmick, bro. What are you doing? I'm trying to play my air guitar. Yeah, so then Laparka does his dance, and Brad Armstrong stops him, and I'm like, fucking how dare you? This man's living his life. Do you think that anybody gives a shit about this match? Let him dance. He is living La Vida Loca. Outside and inside out. Laparka hits a power slam and works over Armstrong. I was really hoping for like a Kurt Hennig finish from last week where Laparka somehow gets the win. But uh, yeah. wasn't to be. Laparka hits, hits a missile dropkick and then hits a diving flip and lands like, on Brad Armstrong's legs. It was like, oh, God, it just looks sore. Yeah. Berlin then comes out, and this is a confusing fucking finish here. Yeah, run us through it, because I, I missed a lot of it. So Laparka accidentally distracts the ref. Brad Armstrong attacks Berlin while Laparka and the wall fight on the outside because Laparka doesn't like the interference and kind of like goes to hit the wall with a chair but the wall catches the chair and then hits Laparka. the wall then throws Laparka back inside berlin hits his finisher which is the reverse neck breaker on brad armstrong who i think is meant to fall onto Laparka and get the pin but falls and then has to do like a weird like army crawl and like drape the arm over and then the ref is there and counts the pin of Brad Armstrong pinning Laparka. And it was super sloppy. Yeah. I'm like, what? It was really hard to follow, honestly. Berlin can't even interfere in a match right at this point. Like, They really screwed up Berlin. I know. We, we, one of our awards for next week is best gimmick. And I'm like, man, Berlin had a good shot. Um, Berlin had a ha, Berlin has a really good gimmick. They're just not doing it right. Yeah. They, they've, they've neutered it to the point where they I'm like. They have neutered yeah. it. So yeah, I wrote, why? I'm over this. Uh-huh. I'm impressed that you even did play-by-play, because, like, again, who would care? Is Berlin even going to win at the pay-per-view? No, I don't think he's, he's going to win at all. Will Brad Armstrong do anything at the next pay-per-view? No. <laughs> this is just going nowhere. I don't even think that Brad Armstrong's going to win at the pay-per-view. I know those are my two options. I don't think either's going to win. You just think Sid's going to come down? Probably. <laughs> what a way to end the feud if they did that. What Holy shit. What a stupid feud this has been. Who the fuck is Brad Armstrong? Who is he? He's Road Dog's brother. Is he? 
We've talked about this. The Armstrong Oh, brothers. yeah. Road Dogs and Armstrong. There's far too many Armstrongs. I forget. Well, let's go backstage to a continuation of the David and Tori saga. Kurt Hennig very awkwardly flirts with Tori Wilson. And uh, David Flair comes to interfere. And Kurt Hennig tells David to buzz off. Which I'm like. Yeah, bozo. Buzz off. He's like, I told you to buzz off. And then beats him down. And um, like beats the shit out of him. Like, yeah. yeah, he deserves it. But like, why? <laughs> yeah, we'll get more on that later. Then go to um, a Berlin match. It's Berlin and the Wall versus Norman Smiley. Why? Who would care? Who would care? There is Why wa- is this happening? There is way too much back and forth to start this match. Uh-huh. We then get a spin kick to Smiley. Berlin tries for a flying nothing and Smiley gets his foot up. Smiley then hits two big wind-up slams and then does the big wiggle for the crowd. We then get a high knee from Berlin, reverse neck breaker, and a pin. Of course Berlin wins. I have no hope for this man. Absolutely none. Admittedly, I, I don't know how much you'll hate me for saying this. I am developing more respect for Norman Smiley. He's another one that they're just not using right. I think enough is more what it is because we, we know that like, Norman Smiley is not going to be a world champion. And I think Norman Smiley knows that. Yeah. And so he's a good hand. He pops the crowd. You know, at this point, it's like he knows what he is. And I kind of I respect him for it at this point. And, yeah. he, and he works well enough. Norman Smiley's not going to put on a bad match. He's going to put on an uninteresting match when he faces an uninteresting opponent. He's going to put on a fine match. He's going to yeah. be super mid-card. He is a mid-card wrestler, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, I know he'll, he'll eventually head towards the hardcore division, and I'm like, you know what? I'm actually almost excited for that. I don't see him being a hardcore wrestler, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, WCW kind of goes more comedy hardcore. Think more 24-7 kind of Crash Holly kind of stuff. Are we going to get the hurricane swinging in out of nowhere into a pile of boxes? No. To, Damn it. Again, to my knowledge, he's not the hurricane in WCW. I don't care. He will always be the hurricane in my heart. So let's go to our next segment. It's a Mean Gene interview in the ring with Ric Flair. And we get a weird Mean Gene again, and I'll play it for you here. Me! So Flair says he's been prowling for babes, more or less, for Gene and himself. And then in some fucking blasphemy, we need to, you know, hone in on this for a minute. Rick refers to David Flair as Little Nate. How dare his body's not even cold. Isn't like Charles Robinson's on the show, isn't he? He's backstage. <laughs> yeah. He's... And you're going to call your son Little Nate. Wow. How fucking dare you? Yeah, he's, he's busy with Sid. But he is still Little Nate, and he will always be Little Nate, and no one will ever replace him as Little Nate. David Flair does not deserve the title of Little Nate. He also struggles mightily in this promo with his upcoming opponent's name because he's calling out Kurt Hennig. And let's note that because numerous times in this promo, he calls him Mr. Perfect. He does. And he keeps doing what I did for a while where he calls him Henning. Over and over again. Yeah. I mean, that's an easy slip. When you do it eight times, it's not a slip. You're just saying it wrong. It's not so egregiously different. It's like annoyingly different, I'm sure. I, I hate when people mispronounce my last name. But it's it's enough that you can like blame it on his, um, his speech impediment. Mr. Perfect is a slip up. That's a full on botch. But Flair does ponder if Kimberly would like a shot with him and not DDP. No. And um, both of us did note when Flair gets fired up, oof, dem pits. Oh, my God. This is a sweaty man. Yeah. The, the sweat stains on this man's shirt was prominent. Oh, yeah. He was drenched. 
Yeah, so not totally clear, but we will get Flair versus Headache later. Or Flair versus Mr. Perfect later, depending yeah, on who you're asking. But next up, we get our tag match, which has been, I guess, double half advertised. I, yeah, I don't know. So, so I guess fully advertised. Double half, I yeah. guess. It is D. Malenko and Perry Saturn with Shane Douglas. Why is Shane here? Versus Rey Mysterio and Billy Kidman. No Eddie at all this week, I just kind of realized. Yeah, no. And I don't really remember why. But the, um, commentary's talking about different people helping out and doing stuff. And uh, Jeremy Borash gets a name drop here. Who you know, I have no idea who that is. Very prominent person in the early years of TNA. Oh, okay. And honestly, I guess also in the middle years of TNA. I, I want to say he's with WWE now. Like 2022 now? He was late 2010s, so... I mean, they've been letting people go left and right, so who knows? Yeah, it's, he's in one of those jobs where it's much less publicized when people kind of come in and leave. Yeah. Jeremy Warash is just one of those notable backstage people in wrestling. And it's like, oh, right. like first kind of mention of him I've heard in, you know, in a broadcast. Uh, yeah, wouldn't have known. So Dean and Kidman start, and I did look at this. We've really not seen these two one-on-one. Dean and Kidman? Yeah. Not at all. They've had some matches way back when, but it was like when Kidman wasn't Kidman. Oh, okay. When, you know, he was like really starting up or was part of the flock and it's when I was like, oh, like, yeah, this is a match I've not seen before, but I really want to. Yeah, I think that would be a really good match. Like they match up well in this tag match. Dean vaults Kidman up in the air and Saturn tags in and and belly to belly's Kidman to the floor and then throws him into the stairs. Kidman tags in Ray and Dean counters a Hurricane Rana into a powerbomb position. Saturn tags Dean and hits a double team maneuver against Dean's will, more or less. <laughs> There's a lot going on during this match. Admittedly, like I was just kind of watching and I missed a little bit of the middle of this match. The basic story is that Saturn keeps kind of doing borderline cheating tag team maneuvers and Dean's not on board. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think he did anything that was egregious. No, it's just like Dean's a very technical wrestler and Saturn was not being technical the way he wanted. Well, yeah, it was also, it wasn't even like, oh, the ref's distracted, let me stomp him. It was like, okay, like, sneaky tag. And I'm like, that's that's part of tag wrestling. Like, I, it was kind of on Perry's side for a little bit of this, which I think actually worked in terms of like, it's not a full-fledged right. heel turn. Ray turns a Dean powerbomb into a sunset flip and Perry tags himself in. Ray rolls up Perry, but only gets two. Saturn kind of spitefully tags Dean back in, who works over Ray. Dean tags in Saturn, and Saturn keeps working over Ray, including a back springboard elbow. Dean counters a tilt a whirl into a big press slam gut buster in a spot that, in a move that maybe both of us kind of go. Ooh. Yeah, it was intense. Dean locks in a clover leaf, but Saturn like tags in for some reason. I'm like, yeah, they're like forcefully tagging into each other. But like that's his finisher. It's like, oh, yeah. It's, it's, it was definitely a weird choice. It was there. like like um, dual sabotage. Because Saturn tags in, hits a diving elbow drop, and like doesn't pin Ray. It was a weird thing of Saturn then tags Dean back in, who also doesn't lock in the clover leaf, doesn't try to pin yeah. Ray. He like hits a superplex. And I'm like, what? And then Dean is like knocked out and it's like, okay, cool, like double hot tag. And I'm like, right. Why did that take? It was just a weird spot. Like, that took that much out of you? Yeah, it didn't really make a lot of sense. This whole match didn't really make a lot of sense. Kidman cleans house and vaults Ray into a top rope Frankensteiner until Dean breaks up the pin. Dean and Ray tumble to the floor. Kidman signals for the shooting star press, but Shane Douglas stops it. 
He then tosses a chain to Perry Saturn, who hits Kidman with it and gets the pin. This is a weird story of yeah. a match. I mean, the message is that Perry Saturn and Shane Douglas are on the same page. It's a weird one where this is a good match where the story got in the way. It usually, did, yeah. yeah. Usually I'm like, man, I wish this kind of had more going into it. Like this, this, this like had this too hampered much story it. almost. Yeah. Post match, Dean tries to tear up his shirt, kind of fails at it. Thro- and he walks out on the revolution. Yeah, throws yeah. it at Saturn, and Dean has quit the revolution. So now the revolution is down to two members, right? Yeah, it's Perry and Shane Douglas, and Shane Douglas is injured and can't wrestle. Yeah. I know they all quit at the same time. They're backstage buddies. I think we both kind of took for granted. They're like, okay, well, these guys are going to stay together until they leave. I'm like, I don't know. I guess Maybe they don't. Not. Do you know for a fact that they're backstage buddies with Shane? Mm, he doesn't have the same rapport at the very yeah. least. I mean, think about how long they've been here. Think about how long Shane's been here. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, they're friendly enough with him, but... It's not like they used their leverage at WWF to get Douglas hired. Right. So it's hard to say. Yeah. We then go to a Goldberg kind of hype package. It's, it's occasionally useful. I don't yeah. know how much we need to get hyped over Goldberg. Exactly. Considering like, we, do we really need to get hype? Considering we did a squash match earlier. Like, if it wasn't on the show, I'd be like, okay, yeah, you know, whatever. But usually a hype package would insinuate that the wrestler is going to come out later in the show or something else. And he doesn't. Yeah, I think this is just wanted to be a contrast to the next match, which is Van Hammer finally getting his U.S. title shot against mm-hmm. Sid Vicious. And I'll be honest, I did not care if Van Hammer got his U.S. title shot. I'm happy that they brought back the story. Yeah, and we need to say this now. We, we took guesses about what the streak was going to be up to at the end of this match. They didn't say what it was at the start or the end of this match. No. Cause, all right, so what was your guess out of curiosity? I think my guess was somewhere around like 120 or it, it was at 120. It was right? at 120. So I'm guessing my guess was like 150. Okay. I went 142. Okay. Still doesn't matter. There was a fantastic sign when Sid was coming out though. Yeah. And it was Sid can't count. Which <laughs> like, is true. It, it, listen, it was simple and to the point. I went, all right. You know, Roman is a wank pheasant. Roman right. is a wank pheasant. Especially now. 100% now. Sid beats down Hammer to Goldberg chance. Hammer does actually get some offense, and then we get a big boot to Hammer. Camel clutch to Hammer, and everyone's looking at the stage. Commentary notes like someone's here, but doesn't really say who. Yeah. And then Sid just kind of hits the ref to distract him, and I'm like, how is that fine? Right. Rick Steiner then hits a Steiner bulldog on Hammer, and then they the two hit an assisted bulldog to Van Hammer, and the ref counts the pin with Rick Steiner just still in the ring. Why did he need help? He didn't. I don't know. It is was... it just like, hey, be ready for Rick Steiner to interfere in the Goldberg match? Is like that what we're meant to like see? Probably. No number at the end of this. No, we never get a number. We never hear. Meh. Really forgettable. Yeah. I want to love Sid, and they're making it real hard. Yeah, you were so gung-ho on Sid when we started this. He just needs to shout more. More? More. Like more shouts a More lot. shouting. I think he shouts a lot. Let's go to commentary. They welcome Mike Tanay and they chat Bret Hart versus Chris Benoit from last week. And then they throw the highlights from it. Then we go to what I'm pretty sure is a follow-up from that little window scene we saw before the Lex Luger funeral. It did feel overtly connected. So I still don't know. But it's seven, which we don't know is seven It means yet. nothing to me at this point. But uh, a child is sleeping in their bed and then someone beckons for the child to join him. Okay. Yeah, do you get the creepy vibes of, like, the inappropriate creepy vibes off this that most people do? I'm going to be honest, I didn't really pay this all that much attention. Yeah, most people see this and go, 
Ah, a, a strange man outside my bedroom window is beckoning me to come with him. Yeah, I I didn't really think about it all that much. I didn't really know what to think about with it, so like... Well, I'm sure there'll be more of these, and you'll have to keep an eye out for who this is. Because this is somebody you know. Okay. Do I get a hint? No. I will not give you any hints on this. Although, actually, so your only hint is you're not going to be happy. Am I ever? No, but that's called depression. I'm not a doctor. Yeah, exactly. Let's go to our, um, yeah, it's our pendulum match. It is Ric Flair versus Kurt Hedding with Curly Bill. Vincent. They even call him Vincent. Doesn't he have the title card of Curly Bill and you got yes, mad about it? Yes, but backstage when Kurt is doing the whole thing with the, the Tory, he calls him Vincent. And so we missed the boat on this last week. We didn't really have a proper send-off to the West Texas Rednecks because this is all that's left. They're not officially dead, but we should mourn them. Yeah, Kurt's still coming out to good old boy. Exactly. And they still have the shirts. Yeah, but like Lily coming out, Kurt's like, this one's for you, Wyndham. Both of you. Yeah, and Bobby Duncan's not here. I I, I think he does come back. But both of the Wyndhams are no longer with the company? Not with the Rednecks. They might pop up, you know, in a random appearance, but the Rednecks are done. Yeah. I'm sad. Are you? I am. Oh. I really enjoyed watching the West Texas Rednecks because... Honestly, it was a bunch of guys in a lower card position who seemed to be having fun. And you know what? I was having fun with them. It wasn't yeah, so. it wasn't guys who were resenting where they were on the card. That's true. You know. Like think about their fucking live performances. Like <laughs> none of them knew how to play how to play quote unquote yeah. live. None of them knew how to play instruments. But they were just having a fucking blast. And they were That's fun. That's true. They were fun to watch because they were having fun. I hate rap will always be a classic to us. Yeah. Always be a bop. I don't know about you, but I do catch myself like humming that every now and again. I hum good old boys more than anything. I know. It, it is more catchy is the problem. I hate rap as a classic. Good old boys is a bop. It's a mood. It's a vibe. It's a bop. It's a good old boy. But no, I, I will miss the West Texas Rednecks. I know like at the end of the day, Barry Wyndham is past his prime. Yes. Kendall Wyndham. I don't know what his prime was. <laughs> Never found it. Bobby Duncan. Yeah. You know, had some potential. Didn't really fully pan out. I'm not even counting Vincent as it. Like to me, it's just Kurt now. And it's like Vincent came into the group as it died, so he was kind of the kiss of death. Like once Vincent's in, it's like okay, well, then what the hell are we doing here? Yeah, it's like oh god, this is just Scrubs season, season eight. six. Really, just season I, season my, six is when it starts to go down. Oh no, I was saying when um when what's his face leaves. Yeah, what? he he leaves like six episodes into season six. It's only season seven. Yeah, I thought that was like season nine. No, <laughs> maybe I'm thinking the Office where. Yeah, he like, Michael Scott leaves at the end of season, season eight. Yeah, season eight. Man, I thought Scrubs went for more seasons. This is unrelated I, to the podcast. I think Scrubs went for nine seasons. Yeah, he's only he leaves in the last season. No, I don't think so. Yeah, normally I'd cut this, but the person who loves Scrubs is I think is being schooled on Scrubs. The person who does not like Scrubs. I had it mistaken. He leaves six episodes into season nine. I think I think the six was sticking in your brain. Yeah. But yeah, no, I can't even say this is like a a community gas leak season because they don't get back together. Yeah, it's a bad season. But yeah, anyway, um, the West Texas Rednecks will be missed. Not necessarily for their in-ring work, but their antics. They had fun antics. They did. They really did have. And they, you're right. They had fun doing what they were doing. And yeah. that is worth crediting. Yeah. Like, I, I think back to the uh, the No Limit Soldiers feud where... God, I forgot about the No Limit Soldiers. hoo hoo the desperation. Yeah. Like, I Honestly, that screwed them because they came off way more likable than the No Limit right? Soldiers. Yeah. Like, like, no, you're the heels. It's like, oh, 
I would love to get a cowboy hat from Kurt Henning on my birthday. Oh, I, my God. Yeah, I, would, I... I would not stomp on it. What a disrespectful little fucker. I forgot about that. I'm upset again. Anyway, there's a match here. Uh, Ric Flair versus uh, Mr. Perfect. Sorry, Kurt Hennig. Tony tries to add some history to this match, and I'm like... That doesn't need history. Well, I appreciate you trying, but like... The this... history happened 10 minutes ago yeah, when th- Kurt Hennig beat up his son. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this this match isn't about that. Yeah. This is about, you know, a man beating up another man's kid. Flair is wearing red, and I was ready for Flair to lose because of it. I think I'm getting worked by that now. Is it like the Star Trek thing? If they're wearing red, they die? It's a Ric Flair thing. But it's also a Star Trek thing. Yes. To be fair, it's not if they're wearing red, they die. It's if a no-name character is wearing red, they die. Oh, okay. I never watched Star Trek. I don't know. It had to do with like the rank and department of people where it was like, okay, the, like, the people who die are, are red shirts, but like other people wore red shirts. Okay. Hennig does a little strut and Bobby calls it the Hennig shuffle. And you're like, is that a thing? And I'm like, no, it's not. I don't know. Sometimes you're like, oh yeah, you didn't know that's what that's called? Like... That's been going on for years. It's the Hennig Shuffle. (laughs) We're doing the Hennig Shuffle at our wedding. No. Flair chops Hennig in the corner and tells the ref to look elsewhere so he can hit a low blow. But it's not even just a low blow. It's a low blow into like a moonwalk. Yeah, I barely caught this. Yeah, so Flair kicks Hennig and Hennig just like starts moonwalking, holding his crotch like, ow, that hurt, but I'm going to moonwalk backwards. It was bizarre. I don't understand the point of it, but it was show. It was showy. It was fun. Additionally, in the I don't I don't understand the point of it. The two brawl around ringside, and Ric Flair drops to the floor and is like grasping at his forehead, like oh he's blading. He's one hundred percent blading, and he's not. <laughs> like, he what? gets up and he's totally clean. It was the it was the perfect spot for him to be blading, and he didn't blade. Yeah, he's like he gets like slammed on the announce table yeah. or something, and it was like okay, I you know it's a little agree you know it's a little much, but I it's Ric Flair. He has so. bladed for less. Yeah. Then get a commercial break and we come back, the two trade shots, and Flair does his turnbuckle spot and then drops to the floor. He then hits Curly Bill, who did not seem ready for the attack. He's like, oh shit, like, like stumbles to like he, gather himself. Vincent is trying pathetically to interfere in this match. He's like wiggling his arm at the match like, no, stop, don't. Like, you're not even doing shit, dude, stop. If it makes you feel any better, I think we get our last Nitro-Vincent match before 2000. I could be wrong, but I, I've marked a couple dates just on a calendar, like, via ProFight database. I don't even remember half them until I see them. And yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess this is it. Yeah. So I don't remember when that is. I just know it's like, I think that's soon. Back inside, we get a back body drop to Flair, who then goes up top for a Houston hangover, but Kurt Hennig stops him. Again, he let me get away with it. I don't know what a Houston hangover is. What the fuck is that? It's one of uh, Booker T's moves where he literally does a flipping leg drop. Don't just say the phrase Houston hangover and be shocked when I don't know what you're talking about. Like He wasn't going up for anything. That's the more or less the point of this bit. Flair locks into figure four, but Hennig gets the ropes. Flair chop locks and eye pokes Hennig. Hennig hits a hard chop when both men are down. Like both of us like took note. We're like, oh. Oh my god, yeah. It was a resonating chop. Hennig starts working over the leg of Flair for some reason. Doesn't really play into anything later. The two trade chops. Bill gets knocked off the apron. Vincent. Then we get a very awkward finish of Kurt Henning tries to use the ropes to pin Ric Flair and Curly Bill Vincent kind of helps. Ric Flair kicks out three or four times and then David Flair comes down, pulls Curly Bill slash Vincent Thank you. off the apron and then 
Rick rolls up Kurt Hennig and uses the ropes to win. But like it seemed like both men missed their cue, but David missed it by way more. Way more. Like a significant miss. I don't know, man. And then when Rick's like leaving and celebrating, like David's nowhere to be found. Fair. Good. Don't be there. You're not invited. Yeah, this wasn't a bad match. It was a bit of a weak setup for the match and a bit it of was a botched weak. ending, but like the cream filling of this Oreo cookie was pretty solid. Well, you don't want the cream to be solid. That I'm, means it's like stale. Oh. And this, some people like stale peeps. I'm sure people love stale Oreos for some reason. Stale Oreos get a little chewy. I do kind of like a stale Oreo. I need your weird food hot takes. Sorry. Sorry, stale takes. Not even hot takes. And also, it's room temperature. I like my soda room temperature, not hot. Gross. There is nothing. I'm sorry. One more tangent. There is nothing tastier than when you don't finish a can of Coke. You leave it on the table overnight. You come to it the next morning and you finish that. There is nothing that tastes better. It is like my favorite thing in the world. I love it. Who are you? <laughs> Coke is the best, but Sprite is also quite good. Why are you the way that you it's are? It's so good, man. It's like syrupy, but it's not carbonated, so it doesn't make you burp. And it's the right temperature. It's perfect. I forget what I told you I didn't like while on the podcast and you were Whipped offended. cream. Did... That wasn't on the podcast, but you did tell me that recently. No, there was something on the podcast I said and you were offended, but th- this is the reverse of that. <laughs> Let's go to the main event before we break up. <laughs> Tony and Bobby plugged the main event. and just th- bought a house together. Tony Bobby throwed a clip from four weeks ago. Just like, hey, here's why this match is happening. And it's the bat shot to Brett's face. We then get not the match I thought we were going to get, if I'm being totally honest. And they probably mentioned it earlier in the night. But it's Bret Hart and Chris Benoit versus the total package and not Sting, Rick Steiner. Yeah, I didn't get it. Actually, does Sting, Sting doesn't even show up. I guess Sting's not here No, tonight. I guess Sting's not here. You were very conscious of how much time was left in our file for this. I'm always conscious of it. Because we had nine minutes left, but we're doing full entrances. And that was nine minutes prior to the entrances even starting. So the four men start brawling, and I'm like, this feels pretty familiar for a Nitro Man event. Just brawl around wherever. Steiner and Benoit head inside. Steiner hits a power slam. And Brett and the Turtle Package are just brawling on the outside, not doing anything a note. Benoit gets Steiner in a crossface, but the Turtle Package breaks it up. Steiner hits a belly-to-belly on Benoit. The heels try to double-team Brett, who hits a double clothesline. Faces hit their signature moves until Sid interferes. Suddenly Sid. That's become my like tagline in my notes. Anytime Sid just shows up randomly, suddenly Sid. We then get big Goldberg chance, get a powerbomb to Chris Benoit. The three heels beat down Brett, and they put Brett in the torture rack. But the total package bails when Goldberg runs down to the ring. Goldberg spears Rick Steiner, and then Sid has a mic and reminds Goldberg, like, okay, you can't touch me, or we don't have our match. Goldberg goes to leave, and then spears Sid anyway. Basically said, fuck it. So, um, no match. Guess we don't Halloween. have a match at Halloween Havoc for them. Guess not. Yeah, we will. That's unfortunate. We will. And that's it for Nitro. Brett and Benoit saved that match. They made that match digestible. Did? Yeah, did they did. Brett didn't do anything. But he and Benoit did enough moves that made this watchable. They are the reason think, that that I match was okay. You, I think if you go back and watch this match, Brett doesn't... He doesn't do much, but he does enough. Uh, until the very end, he's just brawling with Luger around the outside. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't do much, but they both do enough. This this, this was bad to me. And honestly... I mean, I'm not saying it's good. No. I'm saying that, that they are what made it watchable. Yeah, and this was a... Bad skippable Nitro. Very skippable. Very filler. I don't even know what you would have missed in terms of storyline-wise, kind of going back oh, through nothing. it. Oh, nothing. 
don't think there's any storyline that changed in this. Did any titles change hands? Titles were barely defended. It was just the Cruiserweight title. And that didn't change. So, yeah, any uh, final thoughts on the show as a whole? I guess you could say, storyline-wise, Meng coming back could be part of a storyline eventually. Yeah, I mean, I, uh-huh. I don't know. I, I have to ask you, and this is a, you know, a bit of a more kind of thought-provoking question. This is the last Nitro before Vince Russo enters. People kind of think he killed WCW. People mm-hmm. will say, oh, it was already doomed coming in. We joked at the start of this that, like, oh, you know, the, the impending doom. Whatever. Yeah. Is this show, is Nitro in its current state doomed? For, based on what the show we just watched? Based on, in general, do you think th- this show is salvageable? Yes. At this point in time? I do. I think that with the right team that comes in, this could have been turned around. They could have rebooked the guys, had them actually utilize their skills. Their, their, we know that these guys are good wrestlers. We know these guys are good workers. They were just poorly utilized. So if we got the right team in, yeah, this could have been salvaged. I think the only contrary point to that that people would say is the people you would want to be, you know, your stars, admittedly, haven't been pushed to be stars. So Yeah, but if you get the right team in, they will push those guys. But you still need the old guard to elevate the new guard is the is the problem. And the old and the old guard isn't willing to. You're right. The old guard doesn't want to push. So we get people like Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott. We get them the fuck out because they're not willing to push the younger guys. We use guys like Bret Hart who want to elevate other guys. And we use him and his power and his influence to bring up the other guys. I think the money is part of a problem because... Money's always going to be a problem. Well, I don't know if you remember the special clause in Scott Hall and Kevin Nash's contracts. Mm -mm. It was something to the effect of, like, okay, if if the top star gets a raise, we get a raise. Oh, God. They negotiated that into the contract of, like, okay, we're always going to be in the top whatever percent or, um, you know, like, always the highest paid or the second highest paid or whatever. And it was just like... Look, it's slimy, but it's smart. Oh, no, no. Yeah. I, well, it's one of those where, look, say what you about Kevin Nash and he is They're a scumbags. Smart, he's a smart businessman. He's a very good businessman. He's a scumbag, and I don't necessarily respect him ethically, but I respect him from like a capitalist standpoint. And you respect his love of chicken parm. Absolutely. And red wine. Absolutely. Based off of this show in the last few weeks that we've watched, I do not think that this show is doomed to fail. It's like it needed a shot of adrenaline to keep it alive, and we're just withholding that. Yeah. And they, we won't give it to them. I think the perfect, perfect example of that is... As mentioned a bunch of times here, we've been doing our, you know, end of one year awards. And the entire point of the Finger Poke of Doom was to give Goldberg, you know, this big monster group to fight through. Yeah. You haven't done anything with him. No. Goldberg is the Jar Jar Binks of WCW. He's the key to all this. If you get him working, it's all going to be good. Oh, my God. That's true. I'm going to struggle with our next segment, but it's... um. It's Best Bit and MVP. Emily, what do you got for Best Bit? You'll be shocked. I actually have two Best Bits and an MVP and a backup MVP. Holy crap. I know. Okay, I'm prepared. I, I'm, I did I'm double, my homework. I'm double checking my notes. I, I have a Best Bit you're going to hate, but go, what's your Best I Bit? I mean, look, I'm not proud, but my Best Bit is, as you predicted, Tori dissing David. With the honorable mention of the um, Perry Saturn Rey Mysterio match, that that match really like impressed me. So I'm gonna give it an honorable mention. 
the Tory bit was just funny, and I love watching David like suffer. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll also give my honorable mention to um, to that match as well. And I'm also going to give mine to a dumb backstage segment, and it's the one that broke my brain. Oh, and it's Brad Armstrong. It's Brad Armstrong suddenly appearing, getting viciously attacked, and then trying for retribution and being stopped because it's just a lot of things right and wrong in wrestling at once, and it just it broke my brain in a funny way. And I'm like, okay, you know, I. I if he had to give it to a match yet, I might give it to the um, the tag match that came with the Perry Saturn Ray match. I mean, really? I thought they were of equal value. To be totally honest, you were shitting on that match. The Saturn and Dean versus Ray and Billy. You did not like that match. I think the story got in the way of it, but I didn't think it was necessarily bad. I think the finish kind of got a little weird, but in terms of in ring work, it was a well worked match. Okay, I guess. Emily, who's your MVP? Um. <laughs> You're gonna be surprised. I gave it to Laparka. You know, I almost gave it to him. He made me laugh. He did. He knows who he is and knows what he does, and he does it well. My honorable mention is Tori for for a similar vein, knowing who she is, knowing what she wants, and not and knowing what she doesn't want, which is David. No, respect a woman who knows what she wants. Listen, we, I, this podcast is not short on praise for Tori Wilson. Tori Absolutely. Wilson is a fantastic character in WCW. Yeah. So my MVP, it's related to my honorable mention. I'm giving it to Dean Malenko. Okay. I, I thought he did great in, in his match. D- you know, actually did some character work in that. The character work in the uh, the promo beforehand. I, I thought he did well enough. I was willing to kind of go with him through through his journey. But okay. yeah, it was a weak show. Not it was. we were not spoiled for choice. I mean, it's far from last week where we're like, well, obviously it's Bret Hart and Chris. Oh Benoit. yeah, that one was easy. But that's that's it for this Nitro, and that's it for for WCW as we know it before Vince Russo but yeah at this point I guess we just say you know RIP to the West Texas Rednecks and RIP to the current writing team I guess I mean I don't know how much turnover there is but I guess enough but yeah so uh, the next episode will be written by Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara and uh, we'll have to see how much that that sticks out I'm sure I'm um, sure it will but I'm so excited to be there. Also be our uh, one-year awards. We'll run through those at the end. Technically, the things on next week do qualify for the awards. I don't know if any of them will actually break through (laughs) anything. but um, We'll see. Expect the unexpected. But until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Butts in the Pod and on Facebook at the Butts and Seas Podcast and listen to all of that glorious back catalog see who you would have picked for any of our awards on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. But, oh God. It's happening. We're there. We're doing it. It's time. Or how long till we regret opening Pandora's box? I give it like a month. I give it, uh, I give it eight days. I think we're going to get through Halloween Havoc and the Nitro after that we're going to go, oh no. Because... They're still kind of tied into whatever's going to happen Halloween Havoc, which, by the way, we don't have a lot of matches advertised no, for that. No, we don't. And the one that we really did isn't happening. It's good. It's going to happen, yeah. But until we get what we've been waiting for, for better or worse, I'm Nick. I am Emily. And be prepared for the next episode of the Bust of the Seeds podcast. Ah.